Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know what I want? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Samson Folk, your first weekly pod of the offseason. I'm coming to you from the literal sun, and my guest, Lewis Satsman, coming to you from a normal room in a normal house. And Lewis, of course, is a, a, a big deal at Raptors Republic, managing editor, and, you know, a columnist over at 538, another well-loved spot for uh, sports writing and uh, political uh, takes and all that kind of stuff. Lewis, you're here. I know my my thing says bird rights activist, but you're Lewis Atzman, the cap expert today. So we're going to be talking about how the Raptors are set up to move around things, people, uh, picks, whatever, in the offseason and kind of set themselves up for next year. How do you feel? I feel pretty good. I mean, it's been several off seasons in a row where Toronto's best prospect has been the the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. Uh, I mean, the last free agent, like free agent, free agent Toronto signed was Damari Carroll. So I mean, Swag with, daddy. Yeah, with that as the history, I'm feeling great, baby. Okay, so first thing I want to talk about is the podcast we did, the Marathon Podcast, which, by the way, anybody who's coming in to listen or watch this, Go watch that. That should hold you. That should tide you over. You can listen to it in like 10 minute bits for the first month Lord and a half. Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. It's, if you have four hours to spare, it's between this or the two towers. Right. But a funny wrinkle is that because it's so long, it has the most watch time of any video on the Raptors Republic channel. Just by, you know, if you're in, you're in. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, a big shout out to everybody who messaged me or tweeted at me, Swordfish, which was the little secret like, hey, you listen to the full pod thing. But okay, Lewis, if you were going to say, or if I was going to ask you, I'm going to be the the, the nom de plume, the avatar of the audience for this podcast. So I'm going to say, Lewis, I want the Raptors to be able to make moves. I want them to be able to improve the team. What's the first place they're looking? Yeah, the first place they're looking is around the edges. Uh, there are definite holes on the roster. Um, so actually, no, the first place they're looking is not where they're going to get improvement from, but what needs improvement. And so without going into exorbitant depth, um, they could use some shooting. They could use some finishing at the rim. They could use some self-creation. They could use some creation for teammates. Am I missing anything? Uh this this is probably the big question that we'll do just to get the philosophical bent out of the way. Do you want them to house those things under the six foot six to six foot nine framework? Doesn't or do you matter. expect them to? 
I, I would love if the Raptors could sign a big who does all those things. <laughs> They're pretty hard to find. That's yeah. a rare thing. You know, Rick Lopez, for example, not a huge name, doesn't make all this money. So ridiculously critical. Like very, very few NBA centers shoot, protect the rim, and can post up. That, like just those three things. That's why Jaron Jackson Jr., for example, has people seeing him as the future GOAT. Not by virtue of numbers, but just he can do a lot of disparate things. And those guys are real hard to find. So yeah, you know, maybe the Raptors find somebody who's seven feet tall, who can just go up and dunk over people. Lord knows they don't have anyone on the roster who can do that unless Precious Achua's last couple months were for real. Or maybe they want a guard who can go do that, which I think is probably the most likely way they go, especially considering shooting for guards is, you know, a given, basically, unless you're Rajon Rondo, whereas it's not for bigs even today. Um, but philosophically, I, I hope that they are not committed to the bit because that would be hilarious, but definitely a lost opportunity to improve by, like, you know, I... Um, I used to, when I was a kid, uh, this is might be really making myself a huge nerd here, but I used to play uh, like card, like build your own deck games, like Magic the Gathering with friends. And my one friend who owned all the cards used to make, he, he was very committed to um, uh, symmetry. And so if he had like a, a zombie or something there, it everything had to fit and okay. not you know, like stylistic symmetry, not to make the team better, but purely aesthetic symmetry. And he lost every time we played because <laughs> he just designed the best looking decks that were not very effective. And that's what the Raptors would be if they just were like, no, it has to be six, seven, you know, anything more or less, I'm sorry, but we can't have you on this team. So there's an interesting aspect of the current ongoings of the playoffs. And so Caitlin Cooper, who uh, is one of the best writers doing it. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. noted that there isn't a rotation player in the conference finals now who is six foot 10 or taller. Every, uh, like Max, Maxi Kleba, no, Maxi Kleba. Is, yeah. is the six foot 10 guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's really interesting after a couple of years where the bigs loomed very, very is large. Is Kavon Looney out of the rotation? Kavon is listed at six, nine, isn't he? Or six, 10. What? Look it up. I'll, look it up. I'll keep okay, talking. You talk. Yeah. But anyway, so this this creates a really interesting parallel to the Raptors kind of saying no size, but size at the same time, except these teams like when we look at, I don't know, Dallas or Golden State or um, Boston or Miami. They have pretty good guard play. And whether that's like going all the way in with Golden State and Curry and Poole and all those guys, or if it's somebody just as good as like Marcus Smart or Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, all those types of guys. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but if you put Gabe Vincent or Max Struess, not even both, just one of the two on the Raptors, they're winning the next three championships in a row. <laughs> Gabe Vincent is great. I've been such a fan of his. Very good. Not not yeah, even just Looney starting this nine, year. Looney's 6'9". There you go. Bob's your uncle. and Or maybe not. Maybe Bob's your grandpa. Something like that. A lot of Bobs. So anyway, it, it's interesting. Would you rather the Raptors go down in size and look for more meaningful guards or go up in size and look for a big? 
That's yeah, the question, I mean, by the way. I, I would say pr- probably guard just because there's more of those guys. Um, you know, Lonnie Walker was the was the name that I really honed in on in my, you know, off-season primer piece. There just aren't bigs like that on the market. They're very, you know, Larry Nance is a guy who does a lot of things. 6'9", I mean, would he play in the rotation over Chris Boucher, Thad Young? He's not the best shooter. Like, great player and might fit his next salary underneath the, you know, the 10 million um, non-taxpayer mid-level exception. But I don't know if he helps the team as much as a guy like Walker. So I'm probably focused on guards, not because I think that they're necessarily better for the team, but just because that's um, where more available talent lies. It's also easier to probably find shooting with guards. Yeah. I guess is another added wrinkle and that the Raptors, so this is this is kind of the interesting part is that is the does the strength lie with the Raptors in leaning into the talent on roster, the latent talents to kind of emerge next year? Obviously, you expect maybe Pascal Siakam to build on this season, Fred once he's healthy, to hopefully come back and return another all-star type performance. But most importantly, you know, I just did my season review plus projection for OG Ananobi. There's a lot of stuff that he can clean up to become better. There's obviously tons of growth left for Scotty Barnes. But if you're looking for a guard, is there a chance that you would kind of put money on Malachi if you were given a shot to improve and then come back? Or would you rather use MLE or, you know, other stuff like that? So we talked about this uh, in the in the season ending pod. Uh, I think we gave him a pretty, in time, hindsight, maybe a touch critical look. But best case scenario for Malachi, he gets to run some pick and rolls. His assist rate skyrockets. He starts hitting his jumpers like crazy. Defensively, he remains excellent. Even if that's the case, does that help the team as much as a guy who can just get to the rim and dunk over people? I don't think. And he's not going to add that. That's, that's impossible for Malachi Flynn to become that. Okay, that that's a great point because I think we're in complete agreement there is that this team doesn't lack creators. It lacks those guys who we talked about this a lot during, you know, the no off days um, stuff. But somebody who like the ball swings to them, they see a seam to the bucket and they might go cock it back on somebody. That's Lonnie Walker. So let's let's talk about Lonnie Walker. Uh, What do you think his price range might be? And let's talk about his game a little bit. Yeah, I think Lonnie Walker is going to be very, I think he'll have suitors. I mean, freak athlete, you know, like the guy can walk in the sky. Uh, and dudes a like sky that. Skywalker. A Skywalker, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even people who haven't put it together still get paid when they can do that. Like and me so, and you. You sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> and so I think... Uh, if he were to fall to Toronto at the full MLE, you know, 10 million, say, that would be an unbelievable coup for the Raptors. Just a huge get. Uh, I'm not in, I, I don't have lines on what a guy like that would cost. So I, I don't want to focus on that too much. I think it would be uh, unlikely, but feasible that he falls to the Raptors. As far as his game goes, I mean, it's the type of thing you think about as like a five-tool baseball player. It's like that the tools, man, they're they're juicy, they're gooey, there's all this stuff. He's his jumper looks great, hasn't made a lot of shots, especially this year. He's had one year of being a hot three-point shooter. Uh, you know, 
flies through the air, but this year was his first year shooting over 60% at the rim. Uh, loves the long mid-range contested, just like adores the worst shot in basketball. Not very good at it. Uh, defensively, low block rate, low steal rate, never really on great defensive on-offs. Um, doesn't draw a lot of shooting fouls. It's like the the impact stuff, not there at all. But the the gooey tools that we love to see, oh baby. And you take a guy like that, you know, Gary Trent was a very good example of that in Portland. He had all these uh, latent talents and never put them together, never really helped the team in a dramatic way. And the Raptors have found a, a role that suits him perfectly it is ideal for his game and he's become a major major contributor and you would hope that because there's such a barren wasteland for the type of role that walker could fill that he could take a similar step forward and impact like trent took okay yeah i think that makes sense um it's always weird with players like walker malik monk was a really good example last year how monk you know i was surprised that he wasn't getting paid around what Luke Kennard gets paid or Kyle Kuzma, that 13 to 17, like somewhere around there. Malik Monk can get to the rim. He can shoot when when he wants to. He can be pretty good at the point of attack on defense, like all that kind of stuff. And he didn't get calls from anybody. There's tons of off-the-court stuff and and fit stuff that teams worry about that maybe something breaks right for the Raptors and they get a guy like Lonnie. Or, or uh, do you have any other ideas as far as somebody you might hone in on? Absolutely. So just a few other guard names. Uh, bring DeLon Wright home. I mean, his super funky cadence, I think, would really complement the team. Uh, but you got to, like, the one thing he's never had is just give the man a role and stick to it. Just, like, don't start him outside of the rotation, for God's sakes. Um, I think Kyle Anderson probably will get more. Could yeah. help the Raptors a lot. Tyus Jones would be phenomenal. Um, Patty Mills, I'm a little lower on, but man, that dude just running around JJ Reddick screens, handoff, scampering, scampering around would open up the floor so much for Pascal and Scotty. You know, there's, there's, if you strike out on one of these guys, that's fine. There's a lot of guys. The Raptors don't have big asks. They're not trying to sign LeBron James. They're trying to sign Damari Carroll, but for a reasonable amount of money. That mm-hmm. shouldn't be a crazy ask. That's that's a really good point. And it's something like when we talk about OG and how his role saw a big boom at the start of the year and then diminished as so many different mouths had to be fed. You're looking at a guy who, you know, if the Raptors could get him, is efficient as a connector, is efficient as a, in, in spot up. And, you know, as we said, punch gap, something like that. And so Tyus Jones is a guy who would bring the point of attack defense to a, another level coming off the bench. Um, even though he's undersized, I think there's similar applications to how he would fit, kind of similar to Fred, like really gritty, point of attack, pretty good in rotation, um, dig downs, all that kind of stuff. Kyle Anderson is really, really intriguing and would probably fit not the same way as Thad, but in the same spirit that Thad fits. Vision 6-9 too. Yeah. Yeah, like that's the thing, right, is that Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones, like if you want to go hunting in like the Grizzlies territory because they just have this incredible wealth of great players 
Like even Xavier Tillman would be interesting on the Raptors, although he's not somebody you can sign, right? But yeah. they just have like these really interesting players at the back end. Some make it in like Tyus Jones isn't always in the Grizzlies rotation. DeAnthony Melton isn't always in the Grizzlies rotation. It's just they have so many good players. Anderson, that would be of that would be quite significant, I think. Although yeah. I, he's probably priced out. I, I agree. Yeah, he's making just below it now. I imagine he gets a raise. Yeah. Um it, it's funny. I'm writing a piece right now for the site you love so well, 538. Um, probably might Republic. Be published by the time this comes out, though, about the Dallas Mavericks. And I'm writing about how they built their team around Luca, and, and they've just added so many guards who can just do stuff and shoot. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith is unbelievable. Reggie Bullock or Bullock? I'm not Bullock. Like, Bullock, uh, it's just so, so good. I, one of the main reasons why New York collapsed in my mind. Um, well, one of the tertiary reasons why New York collapsed was his departure. And a vibes uh, king. And a vibes king. a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just, I mean, all the way down the list, they have all of these incredible wing contributors. Uh, you know, even guys like... Um, like uh, Oh my goodness, the 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 Bitcoin guy. Oh, uh, Spence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spence. Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, not a great starting point guard, but turns out if you ask him to just be a wing off the bench, insanely talented, creates well. Bertens just been shooting well, you know, blending in with the vibe. And, and teams that amass those guys really have a lot of success with the foundation in place. The Raptors have the foundation in place. I think the the tinkering and, and you know, t- smart teams like Dallas. Miami, Memphis, they find guys like that year in, year out. And the Raptors really need to 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 jump on that conveyor belt. That's really interesting because those guys, every single player we've named is inconsistent to some degree, especially offensively. Well, yep. Lonnie, Lonnie is less of a less certain on defense than basically everybody else named. He's I guess uncertain Spence. on both ends. Yeah, yeah. Time to make him certain. Uh, yeah. but anyway. Uh, Luca or Jaw, more so Luca. Well, definitely more so Luca. But Luca papers over all of that inconsistency, and then if they give you what what you want on defense, when they start clicking offensively, it becomes a tidal wave. And so, is Pascal like this? Is this is the question because the Raptors had inconsistent performers trying to bust into the rotation all season long until yeah. Thad got there. Do the Raptors have? not just the framework, but the talent in place to paper over to make those guys as good in Toronto as, say, they are in Dallas, uh, San Antonio, and Memphis. The thing is, all those guys are consistent shooters. Yeah. And you can be inconsistent at a lot of things. Your finishing can go in and out. You can't create for yourself at all. But if shooting especially is the one thing that game in, game out, you're going to you're gonna knock down two for six on a bad night, you know? And that's true of Bullock. That's true of Finney Smith. Finney Smith being a 40% shooter for like three years in a row. People think he's not a shooter. Dude is one of the elite marksmen. Dorian Finney-Smith is like who people think OG is. Because yeah. Dorian doesn't create, and OG definitely creates, although not at the level that yeah. a lot of people want. But... Dorian is the limited creator that 
people think OG is because OG is so messy in the way that he creates. But he also brings a lot of the really high level stuff that uh, OG does. He he's been so good for so long. I wish they could get him. Obviously not, but man. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's almost a max level guy at this point. Like he is so unbelievably good. It's crazy. But I mean, that's a whole different conversation. But I think that the difference between the Raptors bench churning um, and these other teams is the the thing that they've tried to prioritize in terms of consistency. And to me, the Raptors have tried to prioritize defensive consistency. And it turns out. And maybe, you know, I, I'm sure the Raptors would disagree with me. And I'm sure a lot of really smart guys would disagree with me. But it seems to me like an inconsistent defender can survive if they're playing 10 minutes a game with the other team star off, off the court. You know, Bertans has been playing 10 minutes a game for Dallas. And he has been just fine on defense because he's playing the lowest level leverage minutes and if the other team wants to rejig their entire rotations to get their star attacking Bertans minutes, just put them up, sit them on the bench, and then they've ruined their whole rotation. It's, you know, to have a guy be an inconsistent defender is survivable, even in the playoffs, if they're not playing a lot. But to have a guy not be able to shoot worth a lick seems to have been a disaster for Toronto's bench. And that's where Yuta Watanabe comes in because he he was one of the most consistent bench defenders we've seen in the past few years for the Raptors. And yet he just, he could not impact winning this season because he just, his, his shooting, his scoring wasn't there. And so of that grouping, Lonnie is your guy because of expectation that he might fall in or of Kyle, Tyus, Lonnie, uh, Reggie. That's, that's the guy you think presents the highest upside. I think highest upside. I'm like all those guys. um, Lonnie's the one who's going to go dunk on you and the rim pressure even more than shooting in my eyes is, was the biggest issue for Toronto. That when, when Scotty was hurt and Pascal was just dragging the Raptors possession after possession and Fred was hurt, they had no, like Pascal would swing the ball and there's just no one who could just take two dribbles and put the ball in the net. And mm-hmm. my God, that is important in the NBA. Yeah. That's uh creating breaking points where the defense doesn't have to just slide and recollect themselves and it it's not just guys switching spots along the arc it's guys having to travel back into the paint and yeah and you saw that with with phoenix when phoenix lost i mean everyone can criticize chris paul and devin booker and rightfully so but all those other guys you know ayton jay crowder bridges shamit not one person was just putting the ball on the floor and dunking over someone they just couldn't do it and the best teams right now have a lot of guys who can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see so many teams cycle through these possessions. And Phoenix is a really good example, especially against Dallas. If Dallas, if Dallas is going to lift the guy from the paint up to the free throw line, push these guys, you know, parallel. Yeah, just hedge everything. You know, push them parallel. The ball yep. squirts out. You start from above the break again. I think there were so many possessions that Boston got against Milwaukee, particularly when Giannis wasn't playing heavily on ball, but also when we're looking at um, Phoenix against Dallas, that there's these guys who they just can't break past that initial wave. So everything stays outside the arc or above the break. And that's the Raptors problem against the Celtics. When they played Kyle Lowry was the only guy breaking through that line of defense. And the Celtics play a very similar style 
um, even even this year. Yeah, I mean, you so, people who can do that always end up in a higher spot in the rotation than they be. Terrence Mann's a great example. I mean, he came He's out so of nowhere good. for the Clippers just because he punched through every gap. It's really important. He's he's probably my favorite role player in the NBA. Terrence Mann, he can do anything. He you can have do so many anything. favorite role players. It's out of so you you don't think Markel Fultz is a role player? Then you think he's that's a, a star, star baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's then a then star. Star Kel Fultz, dude. Okay. I mean, he would. Let's let's not get it twisted. He would be. Just have like I would if I was Masai Jury, I would move oh. heaven and earth. Like just the perfect player yeah. on the Raptors. I'm saying you think it's bright in here. It's because I have a Markel poster opposite <laughs> of me. Okay. This guy is shining yep. out there. But uh okay, I feel like we'll we'll take a break. We'll touch on how the Raptors can adjust um their books outside of just the mid-level exception the sorry non-taxpayer mid-level exception and uh, we'll be right back but i gotta read for you uh advertisement from jack health so you want to get to the top of your game jack health at www.jack.health is an online service for men's health that handles the doctor's appointment the prescription and the shipping which by the way lewis it is free all you need to do is stay home and relax. They've got stuff for sexual health, daily health, hair and skin, you name it. Order what you want, fill out some questions and get it shipped straight to you. Skip having to lay out all your medical issues in the clinic waiting room and keep your private business private. Free shipping and easy prescriptions. Boost your game and do it all from the privacy of your own home at www.jack.health. Okay, listener, we've got you all figured out with jack.health or just Jack Health, you know, not everything's a website. But I tell you this much, we haven't figured out what the Raptors are going to do outside of the mid-level exception, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. So, Lewis, what other money is on the books? And actually, maybe we should have started out by asking, how much money is on the books right now? Yeah, What's the Raptors' cash so, sheet? Probably a good place to start. So the Raptors are basically operating as a cap-type team, right? They have the entire core in place. Pascal, Fred, uh, OG, Gary, Scotty, those guys, you know, Precious, those guys all have contracts extending beyond this offseason. And because they have a lot of those mid-level guys, Ken Birch is a good example, uh, they have no cap space. Um, They are operating below the luxury tax. It might get tight if they use all their available tools this offseason. But uh, basically... Even if they renounce every bird right, they they you know don't offer for Chris or for Thad, they you know everything they have like seven million in cap space, which is not that's less than the Emily. So um, they are capped out. That's what they're dealing with uh, for their own free agents: Chris Boucher, Thad Young, Yuta Watanabe. What's your what's going on over there? It's bird rights activist. You know that's my name, my display name. I never put the pieces together. Oh, dude. Yeah. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty uh, good. Yeah. I was I was going to make it Yamana Bird. You can fly over the cap to re-sign them, but that was too long. Much too long. But so their own guys, they have bird rights. Uh so they can go over the cap to sign Chris Boucher, Thad Young, Yuta Watanabe. Um 
as well that you know they're they're uh um two-way guys they can re you know the, the guys in-house they can re-sign them uh but if they're trying to pluck someone else out of the free agent pool they only have two tools with which to do it um so those tools we've discussed one the non-taxpayers mle um, which is just over $10 million. That's just something every team has. Uh, if you are in the luxury tax, you have the taxpayers, Emily, slightly lower. Uh, and then the other tool is the biannual exception. Uh, it's just over $4 million, another tool that comes biannually. Uh, the Raptors have, in past years, often broken up those tools into different chunks. Uh, you know, guys like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Stanley Johnson, they've given... A small piece. I think even Ken Birch, if I'm not wrong, but I might be. They've given you know pieces and chunks of those tools rather than spending it all in one place. But that is an option. They can spend it all in one place. Okay, that's the so tools. Those are the tools. Okay, and welcome to the start of the podcast. Yeah, well, welcome. Um, this is a <laughs> yeah. So that tool, whether it's broken up, whether it's whole. Do you have any designs for how you'd like to see it used, that biannual exception, which, as you said in your piece, isn't any smart maneuvering. It's just, hey, it's the biannual exception. It's here. Yeah. I mean, we, we've discussed it before, right? Uh, I think I think Lonnie Walker would be ideal. Uh, I think Bryn Forbes, um, Patty Mills would probably be pretty... Oh, you, biannual. We said MLE. For biannual, yeah. yeah. Bryn Forbes... Patty Mills maybe might fit in there. You know, four million isn't a whole chunk of change to deal with. Uh, today's uh, NBA, you know, anyone who's shown success in the NBA, who has any promise of growing, is generally making more money than that. And so, you, you know, realistically, kind of just a shooter. Can you get a shooter? You know, Matt Thomas is a good example. They've already kicked those tires. You're not going to try to reacquire Matt Thomas, but a player of that um, success level and ilk. Okay, so I find it interesting that would you just want a big body, maybe? Not even not even shooting, but is there, you know, a game in February yeah. where it's like you're getting close to the all-star break, one of Precious or OG or Scotty, Pascal, whoever is facing down a matchup with like, Jokic or Embiid or even DeAndre Ayton maybe and you don't want him to just get smashed around you walk out a guy a big bumbling fella to go take some fouls and to go you know put some pounds out there is that do you think that's kind of a short-sighted use of it or are you hunting for shooting with maybe the the upside of like hey maybe this guy can do a little something off off the dribble or you know realistically whoever you sign is not going to be in the rotation the full season mm. they'll pop in and out and so that's not any less uh you know long looking than signing a shooter i i think it's totally realistic to go after a big actually have an ideal big candidate um pat sorry patrick bryant uh, mm. or sorry thomas bryant thomas i was bryant. confused yeah thomas bryant washington I think kind of got squeezed out of Washington center rotation just because they had a bunch of guys. Weird uh, center rotation, right? By the way. Yeah. Cause they, they had Gafford on the poison pill and yep. they stopped playing him to play Bryant. But then Bryant came out later too, even though, yeah. and the whole time Gafford was the guy they should have been playing. It was really weird. Yeah. And I think as a result of that, 
it's one of those types of guys who might fall through the cracks for other teams because he's actually a really, really talented player. I mean, um, to lose your minutes to Gafford is not uh, a, a bad thing. Gafford is an exceptional basketball player. Uh, I think Bryant could be more than just a big body for the Raptors. He would he would start some games. He would he's not going to fit under that four million, but he might fit under the ten. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, big bodies are definitely um, acquirable. There's some guys out there. You're not getting Rudy Gobert out of the free agency pool. Um, but you can look a little uh, more uh, robustly than, say, a Boba. So let's let's lean into what Lewis likes. So would you rather – I know you said you liked Lonnie a lot, but if you had to choose between going for that high upside swing – in the draft on like a creator, somebody with shooting, maybe some off the bounce stuff. Like we've seen Desmond Bain, for example, yeah. right? 30th. And the Raptors, I think, are slotted in at 32 because the the yeah. second round, the second round picks are static. And so it's it's really interesting to think like, would you rather swing on a big in the draft or would you rather swing on a guard? And how does that affect what you would try to do in in free agency? Yeah, I, I would rather swing on a guard. Guard to wing. Uh, I mean, it, it seems to me like explosive athlete types can slip further. You saw that with Pascal and OG, you know, hyper talented bigs. Still, even though we say that this is not a bigs league anymore, they still go pretty high in the draft. Um, and a guy like Nikola Jokic, you know, obviously who slipped, very rare, especially today when every team has these outrageous international scouting departments. If you're gigantic, you just get drafted higher. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's um, that hasn't changed in the league. And so, you know, I I've said his name many times, maybe two times in pieces. Bryce McGowan's would be just like an ID, just quick twitch athlete with a stroke. Maybe he becomes Desmond Bain. You never know, but it's, it, you know, draft for talent, potential, uh, but fit as well, because if the guy can't get in the rotation, like Malachi Flynn, for example, they yeah. drafted best player available and the rotation well. wasn't there. <laughs> they're, they're, they drafted under the philosophy of best player available. Yeah. And it just, they, they never got to give them time to develop. And you've seen that, you know, failure with the Raptors several times. Uh, you know, a uh, Bruno Caboclo, they started the 905 because they weren't able to control his development Mm -hmm. and being able to offer guys NBA minutes is really important for development. And I think you can do that a little more for a guy like McGowan's than you can for a big. Hmm. Okay. That's uh, that's really interesting because you know, who's to say what a person likes and dislikes, but okay. So capped out, but you can trade. You can do all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. The Raptors presumably have some guys on the roster who could be potentially moved, sign and trade stuff. Like I I honestly think they it'd be really tough to replace Chris Boucher. Yeah. Especially considering they have his bird rights. Thaddeus Young maybe like is less certain, but also I think Thaddeus Young, there's some wisdom in saying you bring him back as well. He's he showed quite well, I think, especially you know, as he got more reps and stuff, but guys like Malachi guys like Kim, they probably have a less certain future with the Raptors. And if you were going to look for maybe that long, uh, big who can shoot like Zeke Naji in Denver or something like that, 
maybe you start looking at packages. Is there anything that you had in mind that like makes you kind of go, hmm, it could be, you know, maybe you want the Rudy trade, maybe you want the Donovan Mitchell trade or whatever. But is there anything that kind of interests you as far as just getting guys that Lewis likes and maybe could be had? So this was something I was going to flip back to you because I know that you, as much as I, have um, crushes around the league that you think would succeed in the system. Um, yeah, I, I think I don't think uh, a blockbuster would be in the Raptors' best interests at all right now. I, so I agree with you that you know Zeke Naji would be a type of guy. Um, Aiden, uh, unbelievable writer, basketball guy, uh, suggested Jalen Smith at the trade deadline. Uh, mm-hmm. that's a little less likely now that he's already on a new team. Yeah. Um, but I really love that idea. Minnesota has some unbelievable scoring talent. I mean, Minnesota has guys who aren't in the rotation who would be Noel. Like, yeah, that's exactly where I yeah. was going. Jalen Noel, uh, Nazareed as well. Those guys, either of them would be, um, extremely significant additions to the Raptors. And, if that requires sending off a first round pick, even future first for either of them, I, I think that would be worth it. Um, but the other thing about this is the Raptors are not going to pay the luxury tax. That's just, they, mm-hmm. they don't think they're winning a championship. They won't do it. And so they are uh, right around the line where if they use both of their um, tools, the, the MLE, the biannual uh, spent, uh, you know, paid their draft picks and filled out the roster, they would be um, just at the luxury tax line. No flexibility, maybe even over. I haven't done the exact math, but it's like right there. And I think if that that if that were the case, Malachi Flynn and Ken Birch, who you actually mentioned, are quite likely to be traded with probably picks attached to get rid of their salaries because the Raptors are going to be ducking um, if they do end up trying to trade for another rotation guy. Uh, how about you? Do you have, do you have uh, trade targets you think would, would work well? Yeah, I think like Noel, I went through a phase, I think in February, where I started looking at his film. I saw a lot of manipulation and just, you know, you go to this like cleaning the glass or something, you see that points per shot attempt just pops right off the page. You're like, holy smokes, this guy was efficient. He creates his own shot. He gets to the bucket. He shoots it. It's just like, how does this guy not have a spot? What's happening in Minnesota? And Nas, I mean, two years ago, there was guys like Tariq Black and Nas Reed and Wenyan Gabriel who are all operating under the same like, oh, they've got hustle or whatever. But Nas was the one who started popping off with a bunch of skills. And I think Minnesota probably likes him way, way too much at this point. It'd have to be something substantial, I would guess. But Noel, I mean, why not, right? If a guy's not getting play which is kind of the same idea with Gafford at the deadline, which was ruined by his poison pill. But it's like, why is this guy inexplicably not getting time on the court? So you kick, you kick the tires on those kind of guys. Cause it's like, well, how does, does the, you know, does the team like them? Do they value them? Is there some sort of get you can go after here? So yeah, guys like Noel, uh, maybe Brissette. Brissette is maybe like an interesting guy to come back around or something like that. Jalen Smith, if he didn't pop, in Indiana, yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, they probably like him too much now. You mentioned thing, Gabe Ra- Vincent. Gabe, yeah, I he's been good for a couple years, and he's getting a lot of shine this year. But he's he's been this guy. It's just kind of starting to show. Um, I I saw like 
Duncan Robinson, you know, if if there were a way to do like salary, if the Heat were punting on him, are you yeah. interested? Because that's that's long and shooting. I mean, just run him around. You know, they don't have yeah. a guy who they can just run handoffs with and get a good shot. That let like just give Scotty the ball on the elbow extended and just keeper, run a shooter. Yeah, just run a that's shooter. Dynamic. They don't have that at all. And uh, Duncan Robinson, for all of his um, limitations in the playoffs this year and lost playing time, I think could be someone who is available for a lot less now than he was a year ago, but is not a worse player. It's just uh, a different situation for him on the team. And so, you know, if Duncan Robinson just required maybe sign and trade plus chem, you can't uh, do that. You can't add re- contracts together with some trade, right? Oh, yeah. This is this but is where if you were able play. to put it together without sacrificing one of the six or seven rotation guys, uh, why not? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This that would be really interesting because that's that's what you want to do. Basically, is you don't you don't win trades or you don't make good trades by trading for like, that's why the Raptors Thad turned out to be pretty like, I don't think it's an overwhelming return for a first round pick, but Thad turned out to be, you know, better probably with the Raptors than a lot of the, the sexy options at the time as per cost, because the Raptors didn't go after the, the guy who was trending at the trade deadline. And there are guys who, who trend and their value goes up. And those are rarely the guys who are had on good deals or in good trades. And so, you know, maybe a guy like Duncan, if it falls correctly, it's always going for the undervalued guys who are that way because of circumstance, not because yeah. of loss of, of skill or will or anything like that. So, yeah. But I guess to go back to the start, like we, we circled on Noel, Zeke Naji, those types of guys, both inexplicably, well, uh, Najee less inexplicable because you know Denver their big situation is kind of very firm with the Jokic eating up a lot of stuff but Noel and, and Najee are both really interesting to look at um, you know Lonnie Walker Kyle Anderson all those types of guys I think you know in the signing aspect are, are all very very intriguing yeah there, there's very few sexy names but at the same time a lot of the around the edges names could end up being extremely sexy for Toronto. And that's just because the team has a real void of talent in one specific area that most NBA teams have a plethora of. And because of that, guys who are maybe middling talents on some teams can look exceptional on the Raptors. Gary Trent's a great example. I was about to say. And I wouldn't call him middling. You know, he, he he's mm-hmm. better than that on any team. But the performance that he put together this year for the Raptors, I'm not sure if he duplicates that in any other environment in the league. A, a weird combination of, of carte blanche to operate as if he had the skill set of a guy like, like Devin Booker. You yeah. know, that's, although less pick and roll chops, but just these... Huge dribble handoffs at the top of the arc, like do what you want with it, pal. Any yeah. shot you take is a good shot. We're willing to have it. But yeah. as we saw, like his shot making is maybe roughly at the same level as it was with, next to Damon CJ, but he didn't have the same agency yeah. to do all that kind of stuff. And and yeah, he great year with the Raptors. No no shade at uh, Gary Trent at all. 
Yeah, and you, you give, I think, any one of the many names that we've gone through, you give them that same, you know, we haven't talked about DeLon, we mentioned him. But mm. if DeLon Wright were to be playing, say, 22 minutes off the bench, and you just give him the ball, you let him run around off of it, you give him handoffs, you let him cut, attack the offensive glass, that dude is going to win his minutes. He, he just flat out is. He would look unbelievable on this iteration of the Raptors. And uh, there's a lot of guys who, you know, might not be really exciting when you sign them, but would really outplay the contracts that they would receive because of the environment this team has. Do you think DeLon's lack of activity off the ball for, you know, lack of, I don't know, better way to just sum it up would be a problem on the Raptors, like offensively, especially because that that jumper has stuck for a little while and then it's gone and stuck and gone and that kind of stuff. I mean, he's a better cutter than people give him credit for. And he hits the offensive glass. Is that not enough on this Raptors team to be better than what they already have? Well, yeah, okay. From from that point of view, yes. Like, uh, yeah, if, he, if you're looking at a guy who's coming in for that, eight, maybe the ninth, eighth, ninth position during the regular season, maybe, maybe you kind of whittle those types of situations down in the playoffs. But yeah, that's like... Donald Banton had a spot, played a lot of minutes this he, last. He would take season. Banton's minutes. Yeah, and and my God, he would. If he's Banton, he's kind of like supercharged Banton, actually. He is. Yeah, and Banton played extremely well. He was phenomenal for Toronto. He was great. Well, being a, just a, a much worse player than Delon Wright. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that. That's I guess the last thing we'll talk about then, with uh, Banton, Barnes. Um, Siakam, Fred, OG. Is there any is there any reason why the Raptors would just kind of like punt on anything and kind of what do you, you mean know by like that? Well, what I mean is like you can you can try and sell picks, you can try and like save money that way. Like, is there any chance of that? Do you think if they if they expect progress from guys like Banton, maybe oh, David Johnson from kind of yeah. I think that they might see the talent in-house as quite high. Um, maybe it gets down to 32. And they say, you know what? You know, there's no one here that we love. Uh, the people we like are still going to be available at 45, you know, when the draft is over. They might trade down, save a couple bucks, maybe try to ship off Kim Birch. And, and look, I want to add, I think you and I both hate talking about players as numbers. Uh, as contracts and I think Kemberch is a really fabulous guy and, and a really talented basketball player who helps in a lot of ways it just so happens that his contract is in a situation where the Raptors might want to get rid of it and wouldn't get good things back that's life and I hope that's everyone knows that's not us criticizing Kem as a person or a player uh, mm-hmm. probably should have led with that caveat as well if we're going to do this type of pod but um, if, if we're more bullish I don't I don't think we use the the classic terminology that that people use either like yeah you know what i mean so yeah I'm, I'm not super worried about it but uh but you know i i think it's a really possible scenario where they use seven million from the mle they don't touch the biannual and they trade down in the draft and they say great job everyone like awesome job at work let's go run it back why not save some money get under the luxury tax keep flexibility and let the talent in-house continue to develop because we we kind of touched on this earlier 
there's only so many rotation minutes to go around. And then on top of that, there's only so many rotation minutes to go around for development. And that's why you see teams get stuck in losing slumps. Sacramento, you, if you have only lottery talent on the team, you're going to lose forever because not, you, not everyone can develop. That's just impossible. You need structure and development within that. And the Raptors may look at the team they already have. They say structure is great. Love it. Development, we have guys who we are high on. Maybe Jalen Harris comes back. We haven't discussed him, but that's possible. Really, really rough year. Yeah, them, it did way. not play well in Spain or Italy. Italy. Yeah, Italy did not play well in Italy. Um, but, you know, that he looked really good in Toronto before an unfortunate uh, circumstance making him leave the NBA. Maybe he's part of their plans. It's uh, We just don't know. And they have a lot of guys who they might want to see get touches. And if that happens, they say, look, we don't have the development touches for a guy like Noel. And so let's run it back. The return of Nando DiColo, maybe. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, let's do just so people have it in one place. Actually, you know what? I'll clip this for Twitter so um, so people can respond to it accordingly, and they'll have it in one spot um, so that people can kind of, you know, do whatever they want with it. If you want, if you, the viewer, the listener, want to kind of come up with your own like oh hey what are we going to do here so let's do how much money do they have in mid-level how much money do they have biannual how far away are they from luxury tax how far are they away from tax and what trade exceptions do they currently have uh on on the on the books if you okay. can give us the rundown the tools once more all collected together mm-hmm. um cap space zero uh, <laughs> Exceptions, they have 10 million in the non-taxpayer MLE, four in the biannual exception. Those can't be combined, by the way, for one player. They have true two trade exceptions. They have 3 million for Kyle Lowry. They've already used some of the Kyle Lowry trade uh, for uh, Eubanks. Uh, And then they have 5 million for Goran Dragic. Uh, Again, those can't be combined either with each other or with um, players. So you can't, you know, package a $10 million salary with the 5 million exception, bring in a 15 that can't be done. Um, so, you know, those, those are other ways to bring in small, uh, small salary guys, uh, luxury tap cap space. They have uh, $33 million away, um, but they are going to be extremely tight on that. I mean, if Boucher gets what he might, because he could get a significant raise, they might, uh, not be able to bring back Thad Young, for example, because they're going to be so close to, to luxury. Um, that's unlikely, but certainly a possibility. Uh, and that is really a hard limit for them. They, they won't be going over that this year. Okay. And the MLE, the non-taxpayer MLE, is what is the total of it? 10.4. 10. 10. 10. 10.4 and biannual is 4. 4. 4.01 or something. 4.01 what is you know what is 10,000 to a couple guys like us yeah yeah exactly um okay that feels like uh the podcast uh listener if you feel aggrieved if you feel angry at what we've said here i urge you to know that we we said everything here with care okay and we're not married to our opinions no no but look. lewis did bring the factual stuff everyone's going to be aggrieved because we didn't talk about a single exciting 
trade dead or uh, off season event. Like not one thing we mentioned was like boom headline worthy. Um, they're not trading for Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell. I'm sorry. Now, now I can actually make the thumbnail trading for Rudy Gobert question <laughs> mark. Um, yeah, that feels like. Uh, if you were listening to this and you like what Lewis and I say, good. I'm glad. And uh, but at the very least, uh, you heard all the all the nitty gritty details. If you're looking for them in written form, uh, go to RaptorsRepublic.com or just Lewis's Twitter, uh, and you can find his big uh, off season primer piece, kind of setting up uh, all these numbers and more eloquently saying everything that we said here, basically without any of my uh, verbose in- interruptions as far as those go. So you can enjoy that in the written form. Uh, Lewis, before we get out of here, are you wanting to plug anything? Uh, I'm going to do a reverse plug. And I think things like this are uh, actually extremely likely that listeners will have more creative ideas than we do. And so please share your trade and uh, signing ideas if they are realistic. Uh, because it is quite often that we miss fun ones that other people think of. So I'm actually quite excited to hear what people have to say about that. The people are more fun than we are. That's Much more that fun. is an accurate, accurate reverse statement. plug. Reverse plug. That's the second time you did that. That you did this last time. You said no, listener. Hey, good for you, pal. You were <laughs> yeah, here that's... the whole time. You're the real hero. You're just oh, he's a he's a man of the people. I see what it is. Uh, I'm a union well, rights activist. That's the way to my heart, brother. That's right there. Okay, uh, listener, I hope you enjoyed this, uh, or or viewer as well. I hope everybody who listened and viewed enjoyed it. Um, whenever Zarar puts this up on the YouTube page, I hope, I guess, uh, expeditiously. But yeah, thanks for tuning in. I'm Samson Folk. That's Lewis Sassman. This has been the Raptors Weekly Podcast. The next episode will be with Sean Woodley, uh, an unknown date. Currently, we'll be talking about the most fun storylines of the offseason. So if you're looking for fun, maybe maybe I'll be more fun that time, too. But uh, thanks for tuning in. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, whether you got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>